and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, good afternoon, sir. I'm excited. Yeah, it's actually afternoon. You got it right. Yeah, I decided, <laughs> you know, I'm holding back the punches today. We got a lot to get through because this is a really exciting list. And here's the thing, folks. Uh, this is going to be a board game breakdown, but a very special board game breakdown. It's a board game breakdown of our top 100 games. So we got something coming on. Um, by the time this is done, it will be our 101st recorded episode. So we thought we'd do something special leading up to 100 episodes and kind of miscounted a little, but... Yeah, that's all right. Because we're going to split this into a few different episodes, but we're going to try and film as much of it as we can today and mm-hmm. then go into tomorrow probably. So for and our audio and YouTube listeners, the next five episodes are just going to be our 100 board board game breakdown of our top 100 games of all time, which should be intriguing. I'm actually shocked with some of this list here uh, that I got. In fact, I need to make sure this is on silent. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I did my list on my phone. And so we want to give a... Uh, uh, we want to give a shout out to the program we used, of course. Yeah. Because uh, it, I believe it was called Pub Meeple, the website. Uh, go check that out. You can actually upload your list of games. And then using that list, uh, it'll pick two different random games from your collection and compare the two. And you just click on the one you'd rather play. play. And it's real simple in how that works. So basically, if I, if I have uh raiders of the north sea up there and i pick checkers under that then anything that's above raiders of the north sea from that point will also be above checkers so i had a funny story speaking of raiders of the north sea i I had to mention this i wanted to tell you about this um i started a new job and i was working with our mutual friend the game head geek over on tiktok and we have the we work together and he went to go talk to a client of ours while i stayed back and at that time, I'm like, well, I got some time to kill. I'll get up on Game Nerds and see what they have on sale. So I told him I am not to be left alone by myself anymore because I ended up buying Raiders of Scythia. And didn't he end up buying it too? He ended up buying Gizmos like the day before. <laughs> so you guys are like, you're working and getting money and immediately you're spending it before you're getting the money <laughs> while at work. That's yeah, no, so it, it was hilarious, but... Um, yeah, so I got that coming in. Speaking of Raiders of the North Sea, I got the upgraded version, the newest version. That's pretty great. <laughs> and, you know, I actually had a funny story with my list, too, as well, because you could do it on your phone and, and kind of rank the, between the two. And, you know, with enough games, it takes a number of hours to do that. Oh, yeah, it took me about three days just to get through everything. Right, exactly. And there was one point where I wanted to get it done pretty quick, and I was dropping off my kids. Uh, and so I, I handed my phone to my daughter. I said, all right, read me these. <laughs> and, <laughs> and for probably about a good 20 minutes of driving, as I was getting them to where they needed to be, it's like, all right. Um, and she would mispronounce half of them. And so, like, she would go, what the? Hamakoji? Like, it was just so great what. My yeah, you trying to pronounce half of them. Yeah, you <laughs> play some very weird games, so that, that that's just, yeah, that's just that's rude. <laughs> yeah, and then she would also try and predict based on what she's played, and she would get sh- so shocked. Like if it was between like uh, something like Bonanza, which she's never played, and Trash Pandas, which she loves. Yeah, you know, of course, it's obvious for me. I'd pick Bonanza, but then she would go, "But Trash Pandas is amazing." I'm like, I'm not saying it's not. There's a reason it's on my list. Yeah. You know? 
but it's not as good as Bonanza. <laughs> so going through this list, and I'm going to just mention a few before we get started. And also, there's no normal Facebook post because, again, this is our personal top 100. Mm-hmm. And two, this is going to take a while. So yeah. we're, we're, we're not uh, doing – this is a board game breakdown. We're not doing what we played, any of that situation. Yeah. We're just going into what we're doing. Yeah. So I'm looking in here. I ended up ranking 285 games. Same here. Exactly, 285. <laughs> so I don't know if that's something that the game comes up with is like screw all the other stuff that's in there. But with me, it came out to like I ranked, I think it was like 411 games and because it, it included mm-hmm. my BGG that I owned or previously owned and I've played. And so what I did was take out the games that I don't uh, necessarily think should be in my top 100 or want to yep. rank anymore. So uh, certain things like uh, risk or risk um, or pandemic or Mass Effect risk and stuff like that that I have yep. just for to have, not really to play because I'm right. a huge Mass Effect fan. But yeah, both of us came up with 285 and my 281st game is Sagrada. 285th, you mean? 81st. Oh. It beat out. It, I thought it was going to be lower uh, towards the bottom, bottom, but and it is at the bottom, but Colt Express actually scored worse <laughs> than Sagrada. So that's saying something. I'd rather play Sagrada, a game that I can't really see over Colt Express. Yeah. My, uh, my 274, you're going to be surprised by this, Puerto Rico. My 278, Carcassonne. <laughs> <laughs> That hurts, and I'm sure I'm part of the reason it dropped like a hundred spots. No, you know? it just uh, the games that it went up with. Mm-hmm. I'd rather play instead. Sure. Yeah, I, mean, I don't blame you. Though Carcassonne had a big drop because ahead of it at 259 is Lost Cities, and you know how I feel about that game. That's right. You're you're quite the fan of it. Yeah. Um, my 182 is Dragonwood. Wow. Well, I yeah. get that. Uh, let's see here. Something else. Uh... That surprised me. Dice Throne made it to 220. I thought it was going to be actually higher. Yeah, I would imagine Dice Throne with you. And Jorvik was at 216. Jorvik uh, didn't you? Uh, Stefan Feld didn't you? Uh, a Stefan Feld game didn't even make I it to the top. I have quite a few. Jorvik also did not make my top 100, I don't believe. I'll double check that. But um, my number 171, Space Base. Really? Mm-hmm. My number 200, Animal Upon Animal. 163 for me is Machikoro. And here's something that really shocked me. One of the newer games that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it is a lot of games. Uh, One game I really enjoyed, Marvel United, is only at 196. Uh, I wonder if we do this again within a year or two, if it's going to climb even more, especially when X-Men United come out. Yeah, which is going to be the one you're excited. Daniel, I know know this is going to be probably in your top 100. My 156 is silver and gold. That that's shocking. You know what? Uh, what what ended in up in my one seventy five? El Grande. It was at one seventy three. Yeah, my El Grande didn't even make my list because I forgot how to play it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> one fifty three. Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft, which you know I I praise this game a lot. Here's just something shocking for you. Hmm. We've only played it a handful of times. Cribbage is one forty nine. Ooh ooh. That may or may not be on my list. We'll see. <laughs> 116 for me was a choir. Oh, wow. That's shocking because I thought you had that higher. I used to. It used to be definitely in the top 20. A game that I talk about a lot about playing in, you and me have varying degrees of like of it. You like it less than I do. And that is 
Hardback, 121. Mm. You know what ended up 120? What's that? Amerigo. Another Stefan Feld, huh? Uh, 114, which I, I... The reason I point this out is not that it's shocking that it's so slow, but I feel like it's going to climb into the top 100 if I keep playing it and enjoying it as much as I do. Minecraft Builders and Biomes. Really? That's actually pretty high. Uh, 115 for me was Trash Pandas. And that followed up with Jaipur at 114. Oh, Jaipur, sir, you've lost all credibility with your list. My number 107 is 10 Days in the USA, which I used to play with my dad a lot. Uh, my 107 was Lost Ruins of Arnak. Brand new game, already wow. hit 107. Yeah, I'm surprised that I, I could have sworn that would have been in the top like 30 for you. Yeah, no, it was only 107. Wow. In uh, Century Golem Eastern Edition, uh, Eastern Mountains, uh, 106. My 102 was Czar, which is one of the Gibbs series abstracts. And here's an interesting note before we get into our list. One, 105 was Around the World in 80 Days, mm-hmm. followed by Nations, followed by Adventure Card Game, uh, The Dungeon. And 102, Deception and Murder in Hong Kong. Wow. Okay. And 101 did not make the top 100 dinosaur island that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) my my number 101 was game of thrones the iron throne which which is the cosmic encounter yes it's the cosmic encounter remake and yes creative chaos does know jaipur because i showed her how to play it on board game arena go check boardgamearena.com yeah and it's a really good one so let's get into our list if you want to grab that die over there since i don't know if we got the coin of doom uh i'm yeah, we'll do the die. But before I do that, there was a couple caveats to my list that I wanted to explain for some of them. First off, and I know you're already going to say something on this one, but I did not include any games I personally designed. I'm sure you Good. didn't either. Well, it didn't crack the 285, let me tell you that. <laughs> it didn't include anything that I designed, of course. Um, secondly, uh, the next rule that I did is that I did not include any legacy games that I have not completed yet. Um, so ones that are pending, like Rise of Queensdale, while I feel it'll be up there, and uh, maybe Risk Legacy, I did not include them just because I don't feel, I don't feel like it's an adequate. I'm not, not sure that I uh, have incomplete ones in my top 100. I could be wrong. If it made it into my top 100, because I already saw Risk Legacy, and I think Rise of Queensdale was somewhere in the 100s. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that uh might make it as charterstone i'm not sure i haven't really gone through too much in my top 100 other than just to kind of glance over and see what was in it yeah no excavate unfortunately not um and my next rule that i did is uh no escape rooms i don't see those as board games in this example i know they're on board game geek but like unlock unlock um because they're trying to be a simulation of uh, an interactivity thing. I didn't agree to that, so... And, that, and that's fine. This I don't even know if it's list. on this list itself, but I, I did have, like, one of the unlocks. I only counted one of them. The one I liked the most was the one that was on my list. I don't know if it made it into the top 100, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, see, I like unlocks a lot, and I like the exits, and they're a really great series. It's just, I don't... I didn't feel like it would... It can compare, because now it's diminishing... It's diminished returns... Now that I've completed it, you know, I have to wait quite some time before. Yeah, the, the only problem with that is that you can argue the fact the same way about legacy games. So sure. I have no problem with it. If I enjoyed the game and if it makes my top 100, it makes my top 100. 
Yeah, that's fair. And my last rule of thumb that I did is um, I only included games I own. And I know that there's plenty of games that yeah. I would have included, um, but I just did not have the time to look through everything I've played in the past three years and try and remember, like, Mechs vs. Minions, try to remember um, Red Cathedral that just popped into my head right now, and I already know I would have forgotten it when trying to figure out on my list. So I know as soon as I buy those, they'll probably on my, be yeah, on my list. Yeah, that was another thing is when I was going through that list, I told you that I garbaged a couple games that I didn't think should be on there. Mm-hmm. If it was a game that I've played but I don't remember, I took it out. Yeah. Um, one of the ones was like Wander Bay, The Cult of the Shell, or some weird game that mm-hmm. I played uh, from our mutual friend of ours. I'm like, I don't really remember it. I remember I had fun playing it. Got rid of it. Another one was uh, the the Simon game about pandas, the rise of pandas or something like that. Oh, uh, no. Way another of the pandas. Another way of the pandas. I took that one out because I don't really remember it. Uh, another one that I eliminated because it was just too recent. I haven't played it too too much to really make a, sure. a judgment on it. Was Onk because it was counted on my list. It was mm-hmm. on my list. I eliminated that one. Another caveat I did for myself is that. Like I allowed all the Sentry games because they play differently enough. Where like uh, Sentry Golem or um, not the Sentry Golem in the reg- original Sentry uh, Spice Road, but I personally mine was the Golem editions. I allowed all three of those because they play differently. Yeah. But if it was um, Encounters, uh, Legendary Encounters, Alien oh, sure. versus yeah. uh, or pre- Alien and Predator, I took out the one that I well. I kept the one that I liked the most because they play simply. They just have a different theme on it. And so I took out one over the other and we'll get into it if it That's shows true. up on my I, list. I did that as well because I know like uh, King Domino, Queen Domino, I did that with. Like, yeah. I kind of chunked them together because they, they are really just that, that close. So, all right. Uh, let's get the Die of Doom. All right. I'm ready for it. Are you? Sure am. All right. So, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Sounds good. You start. All right. So my number 100, fantastic game. And honestly, any one of these games, there's a very good chance that if you play them, you'll like them. Yeah. There's a reason why these are in our top 100 after all of the games that we've played. Yeah. But just... Again, I mentioned it, 411 to start this list, and that's not all the games I've played. Yeah, no. Because this is coming from the criteria for the last three, four years of me keeping on BGG as well as my BG stats. Yeah. Yep. This is uh, all of the ones that I currently have listed as owned on my board game geek, which I did realize that there was a few errors in that. And uh, so my number 100 that barely, barely did not get eliminated, Worderific, which you know I've told you about this. Game yeah, before. yeah, you have. It is one of the ugliest, absurdly, like, just terrible quality piece. It has generic poker chips, uh, uh, two 10-sided dice. Is this the one that really has the, cards. the really bad uh, insert? as well no no the insert is okay it's fine for what it is but it's a word game (laughs) and what makes it great is you roll a die and then you pick the it picks a category based on the letter so it might say like uh i don't know restaurant as as the code word and it's basically apples to apples everybody else has a hand of letter cards though and you try and make the best word using your letters to to specify why that works for that Uh, category yeah yeah and at first it at first, it seems like just an apples apples ripoff or uh, uh, Cards Against Humanity ripoff. It's way better than that because you have to sell. You're, you're never going to make the perfect word. And if you do, <laughs> then you've earned it every bit. But then you have to sell and really go out of your way to explain 
like let me let me let me explain why we do this and a mutual friend of ours actually was able to do so uh by by winning like i think experience was the was the word and he had like the name richard and he told us a great story of a waiter he had named richard and it was this long drawn out story and it's totally sold us on it so that's why it's number 100 worderific interesting so going on to my list my number 100 there are some shockers in these uh next mm-hmm. 20 that we're going to talk about this one being one of them i literally thought this game would be higher and it barely squeaked in the top 100 and that's one we both enjoy disney villainous oh wow yeah so i'm completely shocked um this one you're taking a uh, villain and you're trying to decide their it's an asymmetrical game where you're trying to win however your villain wins whether you're ursula who is trying to um sign away the contract and get the trident away from the king and that's how you win or king john all he wants is gold and power so you just need to get up to i think it was like 20 power for king john and the expansions as some different stuff captain hook wants to beat peter pan on the uh as well as have the treasure map without getting eaten by the crocodile and stuff like that so it's it's a really good game i really have a good time with it i love the action selection that you got to do um i i equate it to like scythe is like the one of the first games that I saw where you have to move upon and you can take the actions in that area, but you cannot repeat that action on your next turn. So you have to go to a different section, mm-hmm. and it'll trigger different things. Whereas Scythe, that's one of the things you can do in that game with, for all the different actions. That's the main mechanism for Villainous. You and it's not too bad because there's only like four or five different things you can do it in, in different combos on different the boards, and then people can do stuff to you where they cover up half your slot while putting a hero up there so i really really enjoy villain um, disney villainous and this is another one where i was talking about like if something was a lot alike between disney villainous and marvel villainous mm-hmm. um i actually eliminated marvel villainous because uh, i have so much and played so much of disney villainous the only difference is really with is the fate deck which i like in marvel villainous i think it's pretty cool but it doesn't really work with disney as it does with marvel sure. because it makes sense that the uh superheroes are doing stuff to the villains in different aspects it's not where i have my own personal fate deck it's a group fate deck so i enjoy it i had a good time uh, with villainous and honestly i am shocked that it's this low but hey them's how it rolls where do you think it placed on my list uh probably in the 150s 118 so good call my number 99 ice cool dexterity (laughs) And you know how much I dig on dexterity games. This is certainly not the last dexterity that's going to show up on this list. Uh, but Ice School, yeah, amazing game where you're flicking like these weeble wobble like style penguins across boxes that are made up of different rooms uh, in through doorways. Uh, on, but it's asymmetric, so one player is playing the hall monitor at the time, trying to peg the other players. I absolutely love this, and it spawned like a whole series of like trick shots online, like, yeah, people, like showing off their skills. Yeah, it's crazy. For a while, like they were going to do a world championship and send the winner to like Antarctica. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, there's a cruise line that actually will take you down to Antarctica, so that's kind of cool. I want to end up doing that. Yeah, that might have been part of it. But Ice Cool, amazing game, number ninety nine. Honestly, I'm surprised Ice Cool didn't come on my list. I don't think it was actually because it's been. I I don't think because I've never owned it, so it wasn't on my BGG stats there. And um, I've only kept records of what I've played the last three years, so mm-hmm. I played it before I kept records. I'm surprised I didn't even think about that one, but yeah, that's a good pick. If it if if 
I had to choose, it would probably be in my 150s. I don't think it would be the up in the top 100. 100. I enjoy it, it's, but makes it's not sense. my favorite dexterity game yeah, by far. So my number 99, this is the shock to me. I mean, I talked about Disney Villainous, and I thought it would be higher. But I only played this one time, and I remember having very much fun about it. And it's a game that you own that you've been trying to track down for a long time. Ooh. And it's a Spiel des Jahres winner. Taxis? Yes. Wow. I am right. completely and utterly shocked that this is up there as well. For myself, uh, I I like the game and I it was memorable. Yeah, I was like, okay, I can understand why it squeaked in my top 100 because when it came down to the rankings, and I'm like, yeah, I played this one over that. Yeah, I played this one over that, and it comes down to some and it, it eliminated some big games uh, like pandemic the cure or oh. rapid response and stuff like that i was like i played turns to taxis over that again this is basically you're making a german uh, postal route and you're trying to get as many points at the end of the game i i vaguely remember it i remember having much fun and i remember us having to have the printout of the english rules because yep. <laughs> it was still in german only yeah but i i remember having a great time when we played this and yep. i was like i could see why this won the spiel so that's my number 99 is turn and turns in or turn in taxis my number 98 is a party game that that I push on a lot of players because I think this is one of the best party games. It's basically fantasy football brackets. The debate uh, game. Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's a uh, cranium something. Party playoff. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I saw this at, a, at one of our local used uh, bookstores the other day, and I thought about buying it. Not, <laughs> not, I already own it, but I feel more people should own it, and that's kind of one of those things that I would buy to give to somebody because I think it's a fantastic game. Basically, you just have. Um, Four different categories, either people, places, things, or actions. Uh-huh. And you you debate them based on criteria. Like, who would you rather have a dream about? Uh, Ronald McDonald or Betty White? You know, and you have to... Betty White, man. About it. Of course, right? I mean, that's obvious. But some of them aren't as obvious. <laughs> like, if Bob Ross was in there, that might be a really great dream. And so, and you don't know the questions before, but you see everybody who's competing in the brackets, and you have to try and pick... Each each different uh, winners, and then who would win it overall? And it becomes less of a game of trying to win, and more of just a like, absurdity. How, how can I sell people on this game or on this person or character or whatever? It's absolutely absurd, and I and I love the mess out of it. One of the best party games I've ever played, and that's uh, Party Playoff, my number ninety eight. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, again, this is another one that didn't make my list because this is before I kept track of everything. Mm-hmm. Um. Honestly, it'd probably be in the 200s. Uh, I like it, but I, I, there's party games on here that I like way more. Uh, going into my number 98, this is a legacy that we completed. And I thought this would be higher as well, but it barely squeaked in the top 100. And that is Betrayal Legacy. I wow. really, really enjoyed this game. And again, it came down to it. Um, just yeah. what games it went up against in the picks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm still glad it's in the top 100. I had a blast with this. And it's just the overall, uh, when we talk about in our topic debate, the game immersion, the the little chant that we came up with when certain things came out or when things went bad or the the naming of the cards and making them family heirlooms and hoping you get it but never got it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, it was, that was that was a really great... The storyline behind this was phenomenal. Uh, uh, my personal favorite thing is uh, one of the storyline behind it was 
I made this thing my family heirloom in the first game. And I never got it back until, like, I think it's the second to last or the last game. But in between, everybody else got it twice before I got it again. And I got killed by it twice. My own family heirloom. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's a little late now. Wait, wait. Uh, spoiler alert? Yeah, that wasn't in the first part of the game. Yes, it is. Heirlooms didn't come until later. No, heirlooms came in the first part of the game because well, I let's had play it. the whole campaign again and figure this out. <laughs> I had it in the first campaign because I used it to win the first campaign. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, spoilers on the first game. <laughs> uh, my number ninety-seven is an abstract game that is part of a series of games of the Gift series. There's a lot that get ranked on this, but this one is Devon. This one has an oblong hexagonal board, okay. and the way it works is that. You are trying to stack pieces on top of others, and the size of the stack is how many spaces in a straight line it can move. So if you move one that is, or move a stack that has four pieces in it, it can move. It has to move exactly four in a straight line. If it doesn't have anything else that it can land on four spaces away, then you can't move it. And there are three Devon pieces, which are kind of like the uh, lifeline ones. If you're ever, if you ever move pieces to separate part of the pieces from the board. And have it be disconnected from those red, like meaning that there's no adjacent pieces, all of those get removed. So you can force removal of your opponents by doing that. It's really brilliant how it works. I like it a lot. Um, and I won't be laboring. If you like abstract strategies, any of the ones in the gift series, uh, you should try out. But this one is, it, it's up there. It, it might be, I think it's my second highest of the gift series. And we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, I don't even know if an abstract strategy made my list. Uh, I Again, I only kind of glanced at my top 100 because I wanted to be as surprised as you when we started talking about mm -hmm. this. And so my number 97, correct? 97, yep. Uh, is a game that probably is the only um, one versus many on my list here. Mind you, I haven't played a lot. But it's the one I've really enjoyed and I'm surprised I made it this far. Um, and that's Jaws. I really dig Jaws. Now, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the second part of Jaws where it becomes the battle between the three guys in the Jaws character. But I love the hidden movement part of it where they're, they're, the tension, the anticipation of them trying to find out if they buoyed me or if I have eaten enough people to get bonuses. So what happens in the first part of the game gives bonuses to either side on the second part of the game. So if they do, if the the human characters do right on their turn, they have better weapons or better chances. And if I do right and eat as many people as I want on my turn, then or get as many, I get bonuses like extra cards and stuff like that in the second half of the game. Um, whoever wins, if you're doing the two parts, whoever wins the second half overall wins the game. Um, yep. Because like if the humans kill the shark, the shark loses. The shark destroys the boat and eats all the humans. He wins and that kind yep. of thing. Really, really good. Very uh, thematic. It comes out. You really feel that tension as you're going around and eating the people if you're the shark or the guys are going out trying to get the, the buoys out there for they can um, catch the shark. And what's cool about that first part of it, too, is that there's certain cards the shark player can do where he can bypass the buoys or he can be stealthy. But, I mean, you only play it once and you kind of know each other's decks in a sense. So it's it's really good. I had a great time with it. I enjoy playing it. And I'm not surprised it squeaked in the top 100. I certainly certainly need to play my copy. This is good because I do like the movie a lot. Um, 
My number 96 is a slight spoiler alert for you, Daniel. This is the highest one of the... There's a trilogy of these games, and this is the highest one ranked of the three. Hmm. And it's one of the forbidden games. I'm going to say Island? Nope. Desert. Oh, oh really? I like Desert quite a bit more. Oh, uh, I like Desert quite a bit more, but you're the one that always uh, pushing... Um... Island out <laughs> mainly at mainly at the shop. Yeah, yeah, because it's easier to learn. I and I've always compared it to Pandemic Light for Island, mm-hmm. whereas Forbidden Desert is a completely different game. It's a slidey puzzle, you know. I, I trying love, to figure out where yeah. everything's at. Yeah, and I I like the idea of digging up the sand, like just mitigating the loss. Amazing game, amazing game. I, great I component quality too. Great for component quality. what I think it's thirty bucks normally. It's twenty five. Twenty five, yeah. MSRP, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It, yeah, exactly. You have all the sand tokens. You even have like a pewter engine piece. It's just super awesome. I I really like it. It's a cooperative game from Matley Cock and Game Right Games. And uh, if you're familiar with any of the three of the series, they kind of technically go in order. Uh, you yeah. escape from the island, uh, and then you crash land in the desert. You have to. Uh, find this mythical uh, ship to or flying ship and the pieces for it. And then you go into into the skies for the third one, and I just really like this one. This one's always always fun. I always enjoy myself playing it. The only problem is uh, my wife likes this one the least of the three, which is shocking because yeah. everybody I know personally uh, like this one the most or Island the most, and the one that doesn't get the most love is Sky. Yeah, Skies is no matter what. No, yeah. <laughs> nobody likes that one, <laughs> apparently. But no, I, Forbidden Desert, I think it's a fantastic game. That's my number 96. Ah, that's a good one. Um, again, another one that didn't cross my list because it is before my record taking. Yep. So the next two on my list coming up are fairly new games. The first one being, at 96, Five Minute Mystery. Oh, wow. Yep. I I've played this a handful of times already, but well, maybe two or three times, and I dig this game. This is, and it's it's basically, a, can you spot this and crack a code? It's it's fairly simple, but on a time limit. So if you're playing the uh, the simple version or the beginning version, they give you about eight minutes. But as it says in the title, after you get used to it, it becomes like a five minute where you have to discover the who done it in a sense or what they steal. And you got to crack the codes and stuff like that. Really, really good. I rec- highly recommend this game. If you're going to play any of the five-minute games, five-minute mystery yes. is the one to go with. I like it better than the Dungeon, Marvel, or any of the five minutes. I think there's the Dungeon and Marvel, right? There's is yeah. There, yeah, And mystery is by far the best. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much to the point where I enjoyed playing our friend's copy of that one that I sold my five-minute dungeon. Because I was like, I'm never going to play it again. I'm just gonna have to buy Five Minute Mystery. I still haven't done that yet, so otherwise it might it might have made the list. I don't think so, but it it could have. Maybe after a few more plays. Yeah, no, I really could enjoy be. this one. So, all right, my next one, my number ninety five, is a Stefan Feld game. Gasp! I'll give you a hint. It's a two player only Stefan. Ah, uh, Pillars of the Earth Builder. No, really? Oh, it's, it's the Revolution one then. Yep, Revolution of eighteen twenty eight. Yes. Uh, the one about the political campaigning. I love the idea of you pull a token, put it on its corresponding row, you're just trying to get the majorities of whatever end up happening there, and they're completely asymmetric. But then certain actions don't help you with anything specific, but they have, but there's smear campaigns, and you, yeah. can, you can really mess with your opponent and then combo it, because as soon as you get 
the last token from a single category, you shift it over to you, and then you gotta take another turn. Oh uh, my gosh! Yeah, the mudslinging's fun. The, um, you don't want too much. Um, whatever, yeah, whatever the uh, the dark like token slander is, slander, slander on yeah. you because. <laughs> yeah, because then yeah, you get negative points based on that. <laughs> yeah, so like you could be complete a complete shyster. And completely just destroy your opponent and, and be like uh, an awful human being. But it's going to kick you in the butt, too, because those are negative points that are just going to completely destroy you. And and I like how it, it, only, it only scores for if the person has the most and they took the last token from that category, <laughs> too. Like, it's just, it's so awesome. Uh, it's one of, one of my favorite Feld games. I mean, I have quite a few on my list. But that there's a reason this is in my top 100. I'm trying to I've see. I've only if... played it twice. I do have one Feld coming up on this part of the list, and I know I got a couple more somewhere in there. Oh, I'm sure we both do. <laughs> uh, so, but again, uh, my number 95 is another more recent game that I've played twice already, and I'm, and again, it came down to the ranking: would I play this over this? So it's not the cult of the new kind of thing in a sense, right. because the way the ranking worked is. Gave me two choices. Which game would I play over the other? And apparently this one scored pretty high. Mm -hmm. In fact, I I just got in and it funded today. Well, I bid on it, but it just funded today. The sequel to this game, and that's Almanac, The Dragon Road. I w it's really good. It's so good. I like the, the fact that it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure game, only if you're the leader, really, because you get to decide where you're going next. Uh, it's worker placement. We know how I feel about worker placement. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a lot going. It's got great components, good card quality. I love the fact that uh, I liked it in Jaws of the Lion, um, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, where you have the book with your, your game board. This does that as well, and it changes depending on which map you're playing on and where you're playing and then some of the maps were say, hey, you can't go to the very first map. I'll just say this out loud because it's the first map that you play. Yeah. You can't go to the same hut twice. You have three workers and there's four huts. And you could possibly get a fourth worker somewhere in the beginning of the game. But you're not going to be able to go to any of the huts you already visited. So you can only go to the last hut. And somehow, for some weird reason, if you're able to and get a fifth worker, he's got nowhere to go. Yeah. He he just got to, you got to pass. You can you got to move on. Yep, sorry. And then you decide where you're going to go into next because you're basically driving a caravan all the way to the end of the route. And so the whoever's the caravan leader decides where they're going next and that could have different rules based on oh, you can only go in a straight line or your people can't be diagonal to each other or orthogonal to each other or anything like a, if there's like depth issue or height issue you can only go so far away from your other pieces and i think it's phenomenal i think it's a really good game a colossal game with scott alms who you know most people know from the tiny epic series mm -hmm. it's a phenomenal game and i i'm not surprised it went this high but i'm also shocked that it went this high because it's i it's fairly new i've barely played it a couple times recently within the last year I will justify that and say that I've only played it once and I do own it, and it's number 117 on my list. So, yes. Yes, I couldn't agree more, and I backed the Kickstarter just off of that one play. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, my number 94 is probably the highest scoring Cthulhu-themed game on my list, if not one of them, because I don't tend to like that theme all that often. But this Elder is Sign? Definitely one. Elder Sign. I was yeah. like, I'm trying to remember Elder which Sign's ones you, yeah. you you like. That's that's about it. I mean, <laughs> not not saying there's anything bad about 
uh, about <coughs> Cthulhu theme. Like, it's fine. It's just that, you know, I didn't like uh, Eldritch Horror. Arkham Horror is okay. Mansions of Madness is cool, but I don't own it, so it wouldn't be on my list. Yeah. Uh, but Elder Sign is a really smart game. It's so much to the point where that dice system was used again in Age of War, and that was a Rainer Knizia game, and I love that game, too. And they so. also just reprinted Elder Sign with an X-Men theme on it. Uh, that's true. Yeah, they did. Doesn't play as good as Elder Sign, from what I hear, but they yeah, they do well, have it. Oh, that's okay. It's because that Cthulhu theme, I guess. But Elder now Sign, they yeah. changed some some of the roles that made Elder Sign really good and put yeah. made it easier and simpler. Oh, and okay. some people uh, thought it was too easily made. I see. That makes sense. So it's you know those are probably the people who have played Elder Sign and already grew to love it. And they're mm-hmm. like, yay, Marvel theme. Oh wait, it's and, kind and, of a down and, step. And that's the thing for me too is that I really, really wanted to play it, but I enjoy Elder Sign. It's one of the first games I've owned, and I still have it. It's down there with mm-hmm. the Arkham Horror card game. It's hard to it. That was one of the first Fantasy Flight games that I actively bought knowing that the price was inexpensive for mm-hmm. the, the level of quality you have. But basically the idea of the game is that you, you go to one of the locations, you roll some dice, you're trying to meet a number of objectives. Uh, if you roll the right combinations, then you pass that objective. If you pass all the objectives on the card, you've defeated that location. Normally good things or bad things might happen, depending on completing it, and whether you fail or, or succeed in your rolls. It, it's awesome. I love the dice mechanism. It's not so thematic that if you hate the Cthulhu theme, you might still enjoy it. Because I just think it's a really smart game. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you. I don't know if it made it into my top 100, um, but it, it should be... If it's in there, I understand it, why it's in there. If yep. not, it probably just missed out and I didn't pay attention to exactly where it was located. Because, yeah, no, it, it's a good game. And honestly, I don't remember all my top 100 because i just going off what I'm seeing here. And going on to number 94 for me is also another fairly new game, but one we both dig a lot. And that is Rajas of the Ganges. This would have been in my top 100 if I owned it. Yeah, I know I you went like with the, hit, yeah. uh, the 100 limit. I Every play of this, and I've only played it like two or three times, I am enamored with this game. Yeah, I've uh, really enjoyed it. I've had a great time with it. Um it's basically worker placement, dice, action, selection. It's it's a combo of things. Plus, you got your little tile-laying puzzle on your own game board. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to move your boat certain aspects. You're trying to get certain dice uh, to use to for your action selection parts of it to trigger certain things. Basically, it boils down to mo- most of your games, most points at the end of the game. But the... The mechanism to get there to those points and the choices that you have to make sometimes can be overwhelming, but it's it's oh so good. And even you have to admit it, it's a pretty oh, game. It's very it's pretty a game. very pretty game. See, they, they they found out that you can actually make a Euro game pretty. Yeah, and, yeah. and here's one of the reasons why it it it, it was needed. Yeah, to show that you don't need browns and greens and Alea. Pay attention. Well, Alea's stepping it up. You've seen like their fancy versions now. They're getting better. Yeah, Castles of Tuscany, or not Tuscany, uh, Castles of Burgundy, the most recent edition. Carpe and... Diem, the remake. <laughs> yeah, Carpe Diem. It only took them three tries to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they got there. <laughs> we got to give them that. Uh, good pick. Yeah. My number 93 is probably one of the heavier games on my list. And that uh, I don't think you've played it. 
but it's from Mind Clash Games, and and I know, and they tend to make the heavier ones, and mm-hmm. this is the only one of their games that I own, uh, not by choice. I, I would gladly own more. Uh, if I had an acrony, I would totally play it. Anyway, this is uh, Tracurion Legends of ah, Illusion. No, I that one. no, you haven't. Yeah, you're sending out your your workers and your magician out to different places, getting materials that you need, <laughs> learning tricks putting them together, and performing. The, the art on it is absolutely stunning. If you've never seen the board, you need to see that board. The, one of the best parts is that when you perform a trick, you actually go to the stage, and you see like this nice like like quarter circle, like round stage area, and the audience, that's your score point. <laughs> and so you're keeping track of like how many audience you're attracting, thus your points, by performing these. And it's super neat. It's it, each um, each worker that you send out have a different number of like action p- points that they can take, which matter in different things, and they each have the, kind of their own specialty, which is something you hardly see anymore. Worker placements normally you just have generic pieces that you just throw out there, and that's what it is. No, this is brilliant how that works. So I, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Tracurion Legends of Illusion from Mind Clash Games, my number ninety three. All right, I haven't played that one. I've been wanting to. I just haven't got a chance. You will. Um, I'll make you. <laughs> of course, you will. It's better than playing one of yours. <laughs> uh, so my number ninety-three here is also not relatively new in a sense, but relatively new to me. We just recently played it because our mutual friend, the game head geek, um, got it, and we were actually got a chance to play it. Both of us have been wanting to play it too, and that is Pitch Car. Okay. I've had uh, a blast with this, and it, it between this one and another game that I sure is on this list, I'll talk about later. Realize how much fun dexterity games can be when it's not Rampage or Terror in Meeple City, where you're trying to, you know, flick a car and try to destroy a building and stuff like that. When you're you're just flicking a car around a racetrack and trying to win, it is hilarious. You have a great time. Yeah. Um, when dexterity games aren't trying to take themselves serious, mm-hmm. that's when they they just really hit for me. And I just described pitch car real easily. You're flicking a car around a track trying to be the first person to yeah. cross the finish line. That's it. Uh, they have some special rules. Like if you go off the track, your whole turn is getting back on the track. If your car flips uh, when you flick it and it ends up flipped, your whole turn is flipping it back and stuff like that. So that's the majority of it and you can um the base game itself and mind you it's not cheap it's one of the more expensive games but yeah. a lot of dexterity games the good quality ones are a lot higher um in price but you could in the base game itself you can have what four different tracks uh, alignment you can Something make your like four different tracks alignment and then there's a bunch of expansions where it adds loops and jumps and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed the one play I had of it, and it, it shows because it made it this far. In fact, when I was going through that and clicking, I'm like, God, I really want to play Pitch Car again. I had a blast with this game. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Pitch Car, my number 93. So I knew when going into making this list that we were going to butt heads on a few of these. Here we go. And this is definitely one that I... I'm willing to bet, I haven't seen your list, but I'm willing to bet it's higher up on your list. And I think you're going to be upset that it is so far down on mine. But my number 92 is Just One. Where's my beating stick? <laughs> just One. Yeah, no, it's the Spiel de Jar winner. Phenomenal party game. 
Uh, you know, and I know why it's <laughs> why it's low, uh, and that's you just have because... no taste. No, <laughs> the reason why it's so low compared to a lot of other party games that are probably going to be on my list higher is that there's it's it's more of an activity. Uh, it's le- there's it's more like oh you can score technically up to thirteen points, but really the scoring yeah. it doesn't matter right you're just trying to go it, if if you wanted to play in a different way you could play a variant where you just keep going until you get you know um, a certain number of scores and see how many cards it took you to get there yeah um, so there's a lot of different ways you can approach it but really I feel like the scoring part of it makes it less of a game and more of just an activity. And it's a phenomenal activity, and I love it. And that's there's a reason it's on my top 100 because there's so many good games. But it's just yeah, it, it only in the 90s. I, I wish I had one of those things where I could do like the please stand by, and they can hear the beating in the background but not see the visual violence. <laughs> and you're the editor. You're just, what the? <laughs> Uh, so that was your number 92. 92. So my number 92 is another game we're going to butt heads about because you're not a huge fan of this. And I think it's a big part of it because of the luck, <laughs> the luck on a certain part, which is an important part of the game. And that is Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. I love this game. I love the worker placement about aspect of it. Uh, you're basically the heir of Victor Frankenstein, um, trying to make your own abomination out there. And yeah, bringing the dead to life, and he doesn't like it because the the dice rolling makes it too lucky for him because you have to reanimate it. I like it because honestly, you're reanimating dead flesh. It's got to be lucky. <laughs> and so, I enjoy it. It's dark, dark theme. So be careful when you bust this out. Make sure you're everyone's aware how dark it is because there's a spot on here where you can literally murder <laughs> to get the freshest of corpse. So, but I really enjoy it. I love the Frankenstein story. Um, the movies, I've read the book as well. Um, I actually have read the uh, author Dean Koontz's upgraded version of it where he brought him into the, the normal time of it. Just because I love that aspect. I love that mad scientist story and I get to be the mad scientist. Another, uh, or, or not another... A plat hat game that's very well produced. I have a great time playing it. I just don't pull it out as much. And this is another one of your arguments is that it takes longer than it really should. But I really enjoy it. And that's why it, I'm glad it got into my top 100. Abomination, the heir of Frankenstein. And, and now the gloves are on. Because, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, and my argument is not. I think the reason I disliked it so much is because I was so excited to play it. Mm. And I really was... I, I love the theme. I'm okay with dark themes. Yeah. I, I watch B-horror movies all the time. I love classics, you know, and uh, that storyline was fantastic. So when I heard about it, I was like, this has got to be good. And I must have put it on such a high bar that when I played it, I was like, wow, you're going really out of your way. This is super convoluted. And then you completely lost because you rolled badly once at the end it's like oh god no this is stupid i'm sorry i can't i can't justify that being on your 100 even though you made it <laughs> i apologize well for his you list. got one yeah. of the those uh glyph games uh devore whatever so devon the yeah glyph whatever game. yeah <laughs> you're just making up words now you're just putting you're words making up it. words no one's heard of that <laughs> At least two people have heard of it. Me and the designer. No, Devon, Devon's very popular. Uh, Matthew Jude from Watch okay, Play. Okay, let me rephrase that. People him. with uh, taste. Oh, jeez. 
right. Well, speaking of th- this next game, uh, has about a million themes on it and took the world by storm, as far as I'm concerned. My uh, number 91, 18 cards. 18 cards. That's all it took. Do you know what game it is? I'm thinking if it's the one that's rethemed up the wazoo, it's code names. No, 18 cards. That's all the game is. Some tokens. Love letter. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep, love letter. It's so good. I mean, Love Letter, right, I, by I can get so many people into playing Love Letter just by busting out this little pouch. 18 cards, like, all right, yeah, it plays two to four players really efficiently. It works really well. Sure, you might get eliminated on the first round, but it's multiple rounds, multiple hands. It appeals to people who play classic card games. It appeals to gamers because there's some actual depth and strategy into it. It appeals to people who play poker because there's easily bluffing in it. And it's just... Like, it's technically resource management, because you're trying to have the highest number at the end, assuming you make it that far. It's so brilliant. I still bring out my copy every once in a while, and I probably own about ten copies or so of different themes. I wouldn't uh, say... Love Letter is amazing. Brilliant, but it's good. I It did more for 18-card games than <laughs> almost any other game. I get, I get you what it, it did. I wouldn't say brilliant. It just it, it hit at the right time, in all honesty. You don't think it would stand on its own now, if it came out? They, oh, AEG sold it to Asmodee, and it's not even charting on the top buys and stuff like that. No. With games nowadays... Most people, it's at such a low price point that I think most people who wanted to own it probably own it. Yeah, and the thing is, and like you said, there's many themes on it. Mm -hmm. I have the Batman theme. Their most recent one that had the love letter was the Infinity Gauntlet theme. Yep. Um, It's fine. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I was ranking the Batman on this list because, again, I went with sure. uh, if it played is pretty much the same. I Which eliminated it, it. And, and so I went with the Batman theme because that's the one I own and enjoy. But even then, I don't even think it cracked the top 200 on my list. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I don't even think it cracked the top 200. We'll find out when it's like number five or something. You're oh, like, it's love not that high. Wait, love letter. <laughs> <laughs> so my number 91. Yeah, let me see your list real quick. Yeah, my number 91 is something we need to play some more of, but I really, really enjoy this game. Um, I just got the big box of it. It's a Stefan Feld. And that is Merlin. I love the roll and move part of this where it's you can choose uh, which die you're using. You get four dice. You get three of your color and um, one of Merlin. Merlin is the only one that can go forward or backwards, depending on which way you want to take him. Uh, that's only the white die you have. There's a an expansion. The Arthur expansion gives you a black die where you can move the Arthur on the rondelle. I don't know if he can move forward or backwards as well as Merlin. But I really enjoy it. I love the, the little mini games that you're also playing. So you're trying to get certain things and make sure you don't get hit by people who are invading. But also you have this little area control part of the game where you're trying to build over there and make connections. And it, again, it's another Euro where <laughs> it's Stefan Feld at that. It's a point salad. So mm. there's a theme on it and it makes sense, but it's all about getting your points and getting how you want to play. And for me, Merlin is climbing up there. I need to play it more, though. I wish there was like a solo mode for I could bust it out of the table and play it by by myself if I needed to. But number 91, Merlin. I want to say I took this off my list because I do own it, but I only played it that once that we showed, and that yeah. was quite some time ago. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I loved it. I remember I enjoyed it a lot, but I could not for the life of me remember how to play it. And the fact that he made Roland move re- really good. Yep, he did. And makes sense. Absolutely. My number 90 is, is technically now a mass market game because it is the third most selling board game in history. Do you know which one that is? Uh, it is the granddaddy of Euro games. Come on now. Catan? Catan, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say because it's like Monopoly. Uh, Monopoly, Scrabble, and Catan. Catan Those are the yeah. three highest selling board games. I mean, probably other than like, you can't quantify like chess or something. Like and I this. think Ticket to Ride is like four. No, no, it's nowhere near that much. Like Life and all those. Not sold over 20 million or something like that. Yep, it has, but it's, yeah, we'll have to find out. But I know Catan is definitely the third. And, uh, which is awesome. I'm super glad of that because it, it's a good game. You know, some people yeah. have burnt themselves out. Yeah. And it's fine. You know, it, but considering it's 1994, it's <laughs> held up, you know, mostly for since then, especially with all these like newer Euro games that are also really awesome. I th- it still holds its own. I think the problem with Catan for me is that they made a game better that's also Catan. I, I really, really dug Starfarers of Catan. Sure, and I, and I don't disagree with that, but what I think it did for the market and what it definitely did for my family is it took the concept of Monopoly and made it into a Euro game. Because a big part of what makes Monopoly enjoyable for families to play is that wheeling and dealing and trading, and that's what this is all about. But with a good game on top of it, of a Euro game, and it's, it's a brand new concept, but I mean, I still have people coming into the shop saying... It's like yeah, like I played all the all the normal games like Monopoly and uh, Life and Catan, and they always praise Catan for that reason. And it's just like it's constant yeah. in our house. We love it. So Catan had to be on my list. Uh, speaking of which, we're gonna get off tangent here real quick. But um, did you know there's a neighborhood that's being built out here where we live that street names are named after Monopoly? There's I would believe that. There is a Marvin Gardens, a Chance, uh, I think it's like Chance Street or Place. I think there's a Community Chess Drive or something like that on there. And then, of course, there's Boardwalk, which doesn't really make sense out here. But they misspelled it. It's called Boradwalk. B-O-R-A-D-Walk. Where is the... Okay, we'll we'll talk about that later, but... What? I, mean, I kid you not. Wow. Borad walk. All right. All right. So well done, Las Cruces. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. My number 90, Catan. Speaking my, of Monopoly. My number 90 is a newer game that I really enjoy. Um, you don't really like it as much. We've played it multiple times um, with our mutual friend. And this one is a card game uh, from Fantasy Flights. has a Marvel theme on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marvel Champions, the card game. I'm surprised it made it this far up this list, uh, honestly. Yeah. Because, and I know this one is higher because I saw it, but there's another game along this line that I really, really enjoy more. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I have a good time playing this game. Every time I played it, I've enjoyed it. It's fine solo. Uh, I like the other one, which I don't want to name names, but you can probably infer what it is. Because it's storyline based, and this one kind of has storyline based, but it wasn't built for that in a sense. It's basically one shots for people. But I enjoy it. If you like card crafting that you get from, or not card crafting, but like deck building that you would get from something like Magic the Gathering, where you pre build your deck before the start of the game, um, decide what villains you're going to face, just choose who you're going to face, uh, what superhero you want to play. 
and build it up and stuff like that, I think you'll have a good time with this game. But just know it's a money sink. It's a living card game for a reason. So if you're someone who wants to chase that dragon and try to get everything, I don't recommend it because it's going to get really, really expensive. I do it more so for the other game. This one, I just pick and choose what I like. Oh, mm-hmm. this one's going to have Thanos. I'll grab that. Oh, this has the Red Skull. Okay, sure, maybe. If I catch it on a deal, I'll pick that one up. Or the Quicksilver. Eh, I'm not a huge fan of Quicksilver in the comics, so I'll probably pass on that one. But, oh, look, this, guy's, uh, this has uh, the X-Men or Cyclops or something in it. I'll probably pick that one up. So I really enjoy it. I have a good time with it, but it's not my favorite game out of the lcgs but it's up there apparently apparently yeah okay yeah no i i get why a lot of people like it so my number 80 89 i feel like such a like a pompous guy like just like oh oh, you're gonna hate my 89 when i get to it oh probably this is one you hate i i think you'll be surprised that this one is not as high uh, this is another dexterity game, and this is a card game. It's basically like reverse Jenga. You are building the tower, moving the rhino, stacking cards sideways and upways, and all sorts of different things. Rhino Hero. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it Rhino Hero is so good. It hits every time we played it. Um, you know, it, it's just absurd. Like, there was one time that somebody accidentally, they were trying to shuffle, and they bent one of my cards in half and creased it. And they looked at me so scared, like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, now it's harder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, that, that card is just, it adds a speed bump, and it, like, it's fine, you know, whatever. It, it's it's cheap enough where I could buy it. I have Super Battle, and, it, and, and it's I want to buy the huge version. I want to pay for the $100 for yeah. that huge version, because that thing is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looks fantastic. I haven't played it. From what I've seen of it, that thing looks phenomenal. Um, we Our mutual friend, the one we talked about, Gamehead Geek. Mm-hmm. His wife wouldn't be able to play it unless she had a stepladder. Or you play it off of the floor. And <laughs> well, even then, no, technically, not. you're playing it off the floor. <laughs> but because they're 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 decent size, they're like four times terrible size or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, they're so huge. you get to like three stories and it's already five feet high. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that makes sense. No, Rhino Hero is a phenomenal game, and I know how much you like it. I'm curious to see where it'll place on your list if it does. I don't think it did because I don't remember coming up. Um, I probably hadn't had it tracked. It's been a while since I've actually played it. Sure. But it didn't come up on my thing that I remember. I could be wrong because there was, I think, going through it, it said I had like 1,900 plus battles between the games. And so I'm like, uh, I don't remember everything that came up. So that's why I said this is kind of a surprise to me as well because I don't remember where everything landed. Would it have placed, do you think? Probably, honestly, I think it would at least make it into this part of it, the top, tw- uh, the bottom 20, I yeah. guess you can say. Yeah, I, I love Rhino Hero. It's one of the best kids games, and so much to the point where the majority of my plays are adults. It, here's the thing. That makes a good kids game, if you think about it. If kids can play it and have fun, but then adults can play it and giggle, uh, a case in point, yeah. I don't think this one's on my list, but um, it might be, I don't know. Loop Coconuts. Yeah. Coconuts. Okay. Not Lupin Louie. <laughs> The best oh, yes. play of that is a dexterity game of Looping Louie when you throw it in the fireplace. <laughs> Speaking of, we need to discuss burning components here later. <laughs> uh, something came to my mind earlier. But right up here on my <laughs> number 89, phenomenal game. Yeah, no, I, I I admit that's a great game. Uh, number 89 is something you won't admit it's a great game that you hate and loathe and we talk about a time. Thumbs down ready. And that is a Garp Hill game. Architects of the West Kingdom. 
<laughs> I really, really enjoy this one. I just uh, backed the big box uh, for it so I can get the newest expansion in the big box. I still got to get the first expansion. So you can finally fit the components in the <laughs> No, box. no, no. That's Paladins. That's I true. can fit the components in Architects. Yeah. It's Paladins that you can't. And I got the big box for that one as well. Yeah. Uh, but Architects of the West Kingdom, I like it. Uh, one of the things I really like about it, it's a worker placement game where you're putting your workers out. And the more workers you have in a certain spot the more resources you get for it, but it could also be enticing for the part you hate where other people can capture your worker to make some money after selling them into the jail. Um, it's really phenomenal in my opinion. I really, really enjoy the game. What I like about it is it did something different in worker placements that I haven't seen a lot of. You start with all your workers and then it becomes minimized as you go across the game. It's really enjoyable. I had a good time. I love the art on it. It's, um, Probably, I wouldn't say my favorite of the Garpil games. I think there's one that's higher on this list. Um, but I really, really enjoy Architects of the West Kingdom. I know you hate it. Mm-hmm. So, if you've heard our previous podcast, you know why. Uh, my number 88, and I think this is going to be one that you're going to be surprised not anywhere near as high as it is. Or uh, it should be higher, in, probably in your opinion, for sale. For sale didn't even make my top 100, so... Really? You're not a fan of For sale? No, I love For sale. I just didn't make my top 100. Really? Okay, yeah. I I think, you know, I have so many great card games that you're going to see later on on my list that it's just it... I couldn't justify it. I do play it a lot, and I enjoy every single time, and I think it's it's really one of the smartest games that, that's on my list. But For Sale, very simple. You you have an, a bunch of different money cards, or you have money, and you're auctioning off different number cards, which are buildings. And they rank anywhere from 1 to 30. And then once those are all auctioned off, then you use those buildings, flip them for way more money, and <laughs> most money wins at the end of the game. It's that two-stage thing that works really well. You use your money to buy property, and you use that property to buy money. <laughs> well, that's the point of flipping houses, right? <laughs> yeah. And it works really well. And it's just I love the illustrations on it. Like, you know... It, like, some of the houses are anywhere from, like, a space station to, uh, you know, a cardboard box, you know, for, like, some of the lower numbers. It's fun to just kind of bid and and kind of, like, make up stories behind each one of those. And then, yeah, I just, it works really well on both halves of the game. And it's simple enough to come back that it had to be my number 88. And that's uh, for sale. That's a good choice. I, like I said, I don't think it broke into my top 100 but my number 88, I'm surprised, did in a sense. But I once looking at it, I realized how much I really, really enjoy this game. And it's probably one of the more simpler games on my list. Not that simple, but Bruno Cathala about ants. Oh. Micropolis. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy this. It's a tile-laying game where you're bidding on the tile by using your soldier ants because it's got that small world where you have to spend ants to get further down the track to get something you really want. And there's different combinations of how you lay it out. So you only want one queen in a chamber. Every time you bring out a nursery and lay it out, you can bring ants into the fold. Um, If you bring an armory, you can bring your ants down in your top into the bottom because... The, the ants, once they go in there, they're going to score you points. However, if they're th- your soldier ants at the top, those are how you're going to buy ant hills. So if I take one that has three ants on it, I get three extra ones to put into my thing. And I think you can hold about ten of them up there. And you play in a few rounds. I think it's like eight to ten rounds, something like that. Because you're just making an entire uh, ant hill. 
And so you're trying to get like different fruits in your in a line because the their points compound each different fruit you get in there. Um, and there's just many, many ways to score, different ways to score. And I really, really dig this one. It's probably one of the simplest Cathala games on my list. And hands down, it's one of the my favorite games to play. If someone says, hey, let's bust it out, I'm, I'm down anytime. I just wish, I, I thought this would probably be higher, just more and more I think about it. Yeah. And it might climb still. Yeah, because I really, really enjoy it. It's probably close to being one of my favorite Cathalas. I could see it upseating other games that I really like that are probably higher on this list. Yeah, the I more think I, I play need it. to play them more. Yeah. Because they will probably climb on mine as well. But it's not on my top 100. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, my, well, you don't own it, so it doesn't qualify. I do own it. Oh, you do? I do. I do own it. I bought it soon after you, you taught it. I, I thought it was phenomenal, so I bought it. It's really good. Um, my number 87 is a tiny epic game and it's my, probably my favorite in the line. I don't know if it's my highest ranked, but I, I do know it's my favorite of them and it's the only cooperative one. Tiny epic defenders. Ah, defenders. Yeah. I forgot about that one. And that's the one I always forget about. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, cause it's so different. Yeah. It, it's, it's very different. And then what makes it so different is that it's a tower defense. And I like how the first round is very simple. You know, your your actions come up with which cards of yours are playing. And so what will happen is if, if the red player, if you flip over his card, they take three actions. And then so what happens from there is that after you go through the next round, you add in a, another bad guy. So you kind of know what's coming up already, but there's going to be at least one more surprise and longer time in between your actions. I think it's really brilliant. It's absolutely ridiculous at the same time, and it can be quite a bit of a challenge. I think the only reason why it's not higher on my list and um, why you'll see other co-ops from there is that it doesn't necessarily escalate. It kind of just turns from off to on. So I feel like the first like few rounds are so easy, then then suddenly it becomes really hard all of a sudden. And there's always a flip where, where it changes from that. And I think that's the only reason why it's not as high as it could be. But Tiny Epic Defenders, if you like cooperative games and you like Tiny Epic series, you need to have this in your in your collection. Yeah, I... Tiny Epic Defenders, I barely remember playing it. You showed it to me once. I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite of the Tiny Epics. I don't know if a Tiny Epic has made my list, but if I had to choose a Tiny Epic, it would probably be Quest. Really? Okay. Um, but going on to my number 87 is a game you and I can finally both agree on that we both like. And that is... Finally in agreement, huh? Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a hidden betrayer game. Uh, it took Dixit to a whole nother level and enhanced another game on that list, Mysterium. This one is Obscurio. Obscurio. Yeah. I really, really dig this game. I enjoyed the plays that i had of it what i like about it is because it changes so like mm. when something bad comes up or the the storyteller i guess you could say whatever i forget what what the the guy you're trying to win who's giving the clues in this one well he's got certain things that he doesn't get to choose they just kind of flip up and it says oh this is now cloudy so you can't really see it too well or you're only going to flip two cards instead of three or uh, there's different things that point because you're trying to escape, but there's a traitor who's trying to make sure you're not trying to escape. He's the one that the the curator of the library is telling you to stay away from. 
And it is phenomenal. I don't know if I like this more than Mysterium, and I think it's going to reflect on this list as well. But I could see it climbing. I just think Mysterium, other than the end of it, the last section to overall win is a bit finicky. And I I know they changed it with the most recent uh, Mysterium Mysterium Park or something like that. But Obscurio, I could see maybe unseating it somewhere down the line. I just like the fact that Mysterium is purely a co-op. Yeah. Whereas this one has that hidden betrayer where not a lot of people are going to like it, but I dig this game. I think it's phenomenal. It's not overly expensive and it's really well produced. It's not one I own, but again, I have a rule about trying not to own games that other people already own yeah. that are in my game group. You have it and in my other game group, one of them have Obscurio? it already. Yeah. I don't own Obscurio. Or uh, maybe it's our other mutual friend that has it. Um, maybe. I, there's a store demo. No, the store, yeah. But, yeah, so uh, I maybe I'll pick it up for myself, but I really enjoy this game. Cool. Yeah, Obscurio is awesome. Good pick. My uh, number 86 is... I'm going to give you very quick guesses to try and guess. First off, it's a dungeon crawl. It's not Gloomhaven. Secondly, it's a dice game. Is it dungeon roll? Dungeon Roll. Wow, only took two guesses. Good job. <laughs> yeah, from Tasty Minstrel Games. Comes in. My next clue is going to be, it comes in a treasure chest, and then it's versus, not cooperative, and then it's a press your luck. But yeah, no, Dungeon Roll, it's awesome. It has all the elements that I really enjoy. Um, you know, fantasy theme aside, the, I love the press your luck. I love the, the the idea that you start with all your workers, like how you were saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you're, you're basically <coughs> expending them in different combinations. Mm-hmm. And then... Knowing, like, if the dragon is looming over you, if the if the person who's rolling the bad dice for you, you could play a one player or a technically an infinite number of players. It would just take a long time. Yeah. But I love the idea of like whoever's rolling the bad dice, they pick it like, oh, it's a dragon. They just place it right in front of you. <laughs> Ominously, it's it's always done good. All of the characters are really fun. You know, once you hit five experience points, they upgrade to their newer abilities. It's just it's so fantastic. I think. Dungeon Roll is just really a game that it it had a lot of popularity and it sold really well. But now that I don't know what's happening with Tasty Minstrel, who knows what's going to happen to this oh, game? Have you heard the news about Tasty Minstrel? No, but uh, so the most recent news about it, and I'll be quick about it, is that they're not producing any more games. They're oh. they're closing up shops on the production of the game. They're reeling uh, reeling back. So they're uh, they most recent Kickstarter they've refunded all the money for the most recent Kickstarter. And they're also just going to focus on the time being for their dice company, the they produce dice. And so that's all they're going to focus on. And hopefully in a couple years, uh, I think it was like two to five years, they can come back and start producing the game. But they're basically shuttering the board game. Mm, that's, a, that's a shame because I really do appreciate Tasty Minstrel. And I don't want to see that happen to any you know, small, small yeah. board game companies regardless. But um, honestly, with the way things are going right now with the... You can't blame them. The, yeah, well, with the pandemic that shut down and then mm-hmm. being able to print games was really expensive and still kind of is the increase. And then trying to get them shipped yeah. over here. That's the thing everybody's seeing is the, the cost of shipping games back to America because of the um, shipping canisters or whatever... Mm-hmm. They're they're through the no, roof. Containers. Um, yeah, Dice Tower. I was talking about like for their most recent Kickstarter for all the the backing stuff. It cost them upwards to twenty thousand dollars to get a container over here, mm-hmm. and when they would cost them maybe four or five thousand dollars in the past. 
Yeah. It's sad. It's a sad thing that's happening to the market, but I hope this game doesn't go under, you know, or at least finds a new home, if nothing else, because Dungeon Roll is amazing, and I don't want to see it go anywhere. I absolutely love it. If you haven't tried it, go try it, because it's really great. All right. Um, you mentioned it earlier in the 90s of a uh, Cthulhu Mythos game. This one is number 86 for me, and it's not a Seam... Uh, well, I gave it away. It's a Seamon Cthulhu Mythos game. That is Cthulhu Death May Die. I actually really, really um, enjoy this game. And it's made by two of my favorite designers, Rob Davio and Eric Lang. It's fun. I have a great time playing it. There's a lot going on with it. However, it's at points where it's a lot on the board at one time so you can get overwhelmed with what's going on but i have a good time playing it and yeah uh it's cthulhu death may die cool yeah i haven't played it so i know nothing of it and yeah and our friend creative chaos point out at least they're not having to close completely so that's good yeah they're still trying i wish them the best my number 85 is another press your luck game this was from mayday games it's a card game only I don't know. I don't think you'd like this one all that much from what I remember. But it is a press your luck card game where if you get two of the same suit uh, upon pressing your luck, then you bust and you're out for the round. And that is Dead Man's Draw. Ah. No, yeah, I didn't think you'd like this one. But I, I absolutely love it so much I just recently got a copy of the uh, deluxe version of it and with play mats. And I'm trying to find a box that it would fit in. So I'll figure that out sooner sooner than later. But yeah, I, I think this game is absolutely fantastic and I'm glad I own it and it's been one of the one of the funnest press your luck games I've ever owned. Hands down. That's all I'm gonna say about it. If you haven't tried it, uh, I believe it was based off of an app originally. Like I think the app came first and then they made a card game based on the app. And so if you haven't tried it, go play it. Yeah, no, I'm not a huge fan of this game, but I understand why people like it. It's just it's okay for me. It does. I I like pressure luck, and this one just doesn't okay. uh, doesn't hit. Uh, so my number eighty five is an Azul game. Mm. Can you guess which one? I am gonna guess the original. No. Summer Pavilion, then. Yep. Yeah, because it wouldn't be the middle one. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the stained glass Ascentra, I think it's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, but I really, really enjoy Summer Pavilion. I like the. The fact that it's more, I guess you could say, than the original one, where you're building a flower pattern or, and then trying to enclose different things to get the bonuses, as well as trying to make sure you get the right amount for you can get the extra bonus that's over there, bonus tile that you can get. And it's beautiful. It's probably one of the more beautiful games out there. And that's saying something. All these Azul's are really good. And I understand why they did it for Stained Glass Ascentra, because they're trying to make it look like Stained Glass. But when you compare Azul, the original, and Azul, Summer Pavilions, the clay bay, colorful tiles to the the plasticky see-through tiles, it just, that, that one doesn't hit as well as the other two. I mean, Sagrada does stained glass better than <laughs> the stained sure. glass Sandra. But Azul, Summer Pavilion is probably my favorite one of the bunch, I would have to say. I don't know if something hits it higher, but I think this is the highest. Um, so, that's number 87, Azul, Summer Pavilion. Number 
85, sorry. 85. I was like, wait a minute, hold on, we're going backwards now. Yeah. My number 84 is my third Press Your Luck game in a row. <laughs> it goes to show how much I do like Press Your Luck as a mechanism. Uh, I've incorporated it in my games before, and that's because I really do enjoy them. This one is probably even more simple than Dead Man's Draw, and more simple than Dungeon Roll. And I just recently found out that they're actually selling copies of this at Target. And I'm so excited about that. No thanks. Yeah, no. Oh, no thanks is so good. Phenomenal game. It has no right being that fun. Basically, everybody gets a bunch of tokens. I think 11 starting off. And you have cards that are numbered between 30... Or, I'm sorry, 3 and 35. You mix them up, take out, I think, like 9 of them. And then you go around, flip over a single card. If it's your turn to pick, you either put a token on it and say no thanks and just pass it on to the next player. Or you take the card and every token that's on it. I think it's fantastic how it works. I think it's really smart because each token is minus one point and each card you don't want points. So the lowest score wins. But if you get cards that are in consecutive order, they combine and you just count the lowest one. So if I have a 32, a 33, and a 34 then I only have 32 points, even though I took, like, the higher numbers. So the first part of the game is just kind of like, oh, well, nobody wants a 30 or even a high 20. Yeah. But then after a while, you see, like, somebody. And and one of my favorite decisions in this game, and what makes it so good, is that if, if let's say, I have number 19, right? Mm-hmm. And number 20 comes up, sure, it would make the most sense for me to take it. But it also doesn't make sense for anybody else to take it. So the question is... Can I put a token on it and pass on it and see if everyone will still pass on it again? And how many times can I do that to get more tokens? It, that's a really valuable decision in that game, which sets it apart from almost anything. It has no right being that smart. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous how smart that game is. And I, I adore it. It's no thanks, my number 84. And if you see how excited I'm getting about these games right now, just wait till the next one. So um, I just want to make mention to people who are noticing um, it was a work-related situation yeah, sure. that I was doing over there. Yeah. Um, also, I'm not a fan of no thanks to the point where you know how I feel about Llama. Yeah. I'm okay with Llama. I'd rather play Llama over no sure. thanks. I know. Yeah, I just, I'm not a huge fan of no thanks. I understand it. I love card games. Sorry. I love card games. It's just not one that you, hit for you me. You like more complex card games. Like you, I, I, I don't know if I like I, more I think complex. The more but... rules that there are, the more comfortable you are with it. Like, I, I guess like... I like Bugs on a Rug. All right, that that's the simplest game I've owned uh, card game wise. I love Trash Pandas and Abandon All Artichokes. Those are sure. not complicated games. Yeah, but they're way they're, <laughs> they are incredibly complex compared to No Thanks. <laughs> no Thanks is literally the mechanism is. Throw a coin at it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the complexity that you're involved in. All right, so we're at 84, correct? Uh, yes, that was my number 84. You want complexity? With lots of rules? Bring it. My number 84? Known as Gone Sean Clever. Otherwise, that's pretty clever. <laughs> yeah. That's like, how many rules can we put in a dice game? <laughs> And there, there's, there's quite a bit. I'm sorry about that, but yeah, there, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, rules in this because it's like, oh, how do I use this die? Or, or if he's taking that three die, can I can't use that die? Or let's combine these two dice where you can score in this one little area. There, there's a lot going on in it, but for a worker placement game, or not a worker, uh, the roll and write game, it's pretty complex, but it's not that bad. 
I really, really enjoy this game. I've played it a couple times just recently, and I'm surprised. I've recently first played this within the month. Within a month. Mm-hmm. A couple times. And it's climbed this far up my list. But it's a roll and right there simple game, so I'm not surprised it climbed that far up my list. But it's phenomenal. I have to pick this one up for myself. That's how much I enjoyed it. It's you're basically you roll six dice. Uh, if you're the active player, you keep three dice to score on your your game board. The yellow dice scores in the yellow area. The blue dice scores with the white die. You combine the numbers and you score in the blue area. You don't even have to take the white die. It's just they combine. The green die, I believe, scores. You just put a number in there, and as far as you go, you get points. The orange die, you have to use the greater number until you hit six, and then you can recycle it all the way down. And then I think the purple die, you kind of, the numbers can't equal. So if you put a two on one side, a four has to, or something, one or four has to be on the other side. It's something weird like that. Uh, really enjoyable. It's really good. And then you get like bonuses, so you can re-roll your actions. You can also re-roll or um, get an uh, use an extra die, so you can use four or five die. The white die is a wild, so you can use it how to score in any one of the areas. So I really enjoy it. I had a good time with it. Um, I want to buy it. The I heard the app's really good. So uh, that is Ganshan Clever, or that's pretty clever, which is the English version. You know, I was just looking through my list. I don't think I have any rolling rights on any of my top 100. I might be eating my words right now, but let's let's find out. Uh, but that next one is definitely not a rolling right. <laughs> <laughs> and and speaking of actually complex rules, it's it's one of the heavier games on here it, to an extent. It's a hidden trader game, potentially hidden trader game with a huge storytelling element. Mm-hmm. You're surviving the zombie apocalypse. Oh, okay, yeah, that does have story time. I keep forgetting there's there's a bit of campaign in that. Mm -hmm. Well, not campaign, but there's stories. Yeah, the crossroads. (laughs) Yeah, in Dead of Winter, yeah, basically everybody is mostly working together, but you all have your own hidden objectives. I don't care what anybody anybody says about it. I've heard other reviewers say, it's like, well, no. It's like, why am I I competing for my own thing? It's like, to add flavor to the game. Like, that's why. Like, have yeah, they not watched The Walking Dead or, or read right. the comic The Walking Everyone Dead? Everybody's out for themselves, yeah. Absolutely. You can only win together as a group, and you sometimes have to put aside your differences to do it. But you are ultimately trying to win. <laughs> and if the if the group doesn't win, then you definitely don't. And only with the group winning do you have a chance of meeting your own objective. Yeah. I think that's smart the way it works. and not it's just that game. and then the betrayer himself is trying to keep you from winning and there's there i love the voting in it too yes absolutely no i think it's a really smart game i like the way it works there's a lot of dice rolling but it works out well you know because every character has kind of like their own little skill and so even if you roll low and you don't get the kind of rolls that you want you can still do a lot of actions that work really well and uh, yeah it's it's really awesome. That's Dead of Winter, a Crossroads game, and I combined that and Long Night. Yeah. So uh, with when it came to me uh, when I did it, I, I think it might be on my list. I don't know, um, or it could be in the bottom of the one hundreds. But with this one, mm-hmm. um, I took out Long Night when I was um, reviewing both. I took out Long Night and just went with the regular Dead of Winter because they're essentially the same game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. It's a really good game. Let's see if it's further on my list, because it's a surprise to me, too. <laughs> I, I love this example. Zombie apocalypse equals everyone working together to take advantage of each other. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's human nature to look out for their own. So Absolutely. That was number 83. So for my number 83 is on the complete opposite end of this of complex and co-op and storytelling. This is about making potions and making things explode. Potion explosion. Oh. Thought it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really dig this game. Uh, and it's funny because I just got it back to the table not too long ago. We talked about it in one of our uh, chits and giggles. Oh, man, I love this game. And the only problem is that I didn't get to the table is because I really love the app integrate the, the app of this game. It's a phenomenal app. And so it's like, oh, I'll just play this because it's right here on my phone. And I have a great time with it. But the game is amazing. I have a great time with it. What you're doing is you're trying to get as much points by making them become the new apprentice to the um, the teacher, the professor, or something like that. Yes, it's actually called Potion Explosion. And you're trying to make explosions as you're going. So what's going to happen is if you're going to pull a black marble that's in between let's say four blue marbles, you pull that black one, that's the marble you get to use. But once those blues hit each other, they explode and you get to Take those and use them in your potion uh, mixes as well. And I love the fact that some of the potions have powers too. So if I had a rainbow potion, I can use all of uh, all colors in different ways. So like some potions were like you need a black and two, uh, two blacks up in this area, but you need three blues down here and a couple yellows at the bottom. Whereas if you use the rainbow potion, you can put your blues in your yellow spots and stuff like that. It doesn't really matter. It, but you can only use them one time unless you have a time potion that allows you to bring another potion back. And I just love that it's slightly engine building and everything's just comboing on each other. And then you could take negative points to help you pull another marble if you need be, but you don't get the explosion on that. And it's phenomenal. It's a great game. And I'm glad it's in my top 100. Yeah, it's basically like an app turned into a game. Yeah, <laughs> in a sense. Uh, my number 82, we're at. I, I own it. I've never played a physical copy of it. I've only ever played digital copies of it. Yeah, I know it doesn't help you with anything. So it means I probably haven't played it with you, but I absolutely like the way it works. It's a dice resource management game. Basically, you're paying for cards using dice around the four seasons. And that is seasons. From Yellow Games. I think it's a fantastic game. It's one of those games that, as, after I had played the digital version of it, I thought it was so fun how it worked that I ended up seeking out a physical copy. So as soon as we did, we went on our uh, board game trade runs uh, that we do from time to time, and I, I went out of my way. As soon as I saw it, that's mine. Yeah. <laughs> not, not even questioning it. It's it's mine, 100%. It is really fun. I, I like the mess out of it. And I like how, you know, you can predict... The, the way that the dice are laid out is that certain dice are give you different resources based on the season. Of course, like fire or water, or fire is more common in the, in the uh, summer, you yeah. know? And so that's something that you can plan for when trying to play your cards. I think it's really cool. Um, that's seasons. I don't have anything else to say about it. 82. I haven't played it, so I can't make much uh, choices of it. I, Other than I, I heard really it's, think you'll it's it. really mean. It can be mean at no, times. No, it yeah, I, I suppose because it's dice drafting. Yeah, and well, what makes it neat is that there's always one more die than the number of players, and each of the dice faces has like one, two, or three dots on it, and so the die that is left over determines how short the round is. So 
you if you had a choice between two dice that have the same resources, you could but like longer or more dots on one of them, you could force the next season quicker by your choice of drafting. I think that's really cool. And that, that makes a very meaningful choice, even between dice that are almost the same. All right, well, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of mm -hmm. uh, this episode. So let's get into the fist fight, another game that you won't like. And uh, my number 82 here, and you're going to you're gonna be hurt if you try to fist fight me. I, I lift refrigerators for a living. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, and that is Wasteland Express Delivery Service. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Go play with the new puppy. I, you know, that's the thing. I have nowhere to go. Like, I just went, I walked around the desk. All right, so Wasteland Express Delivery Service is a worker, not a worker, um, a delivery game, a pickup and deliver game in post-apocalyptic world. I know you don't like it. There's some finicky rules in it. But, man, this theme comes out with it when you're fighting the bandits, trying to make sure you're delivering water or ammo or whatever to the different locations. I really, really enjoy this game. Uh, yeah, and Creator Chaos says, you guys got quite opposite taste. Yeah, I love theme. He loves bland. I like good. No, no, you don't. You're, you, you, you had no... okay with a bad game that has a really good theme to it. You had no thinks on your list, and that's a bad game. That's a four on my ranking. Okay. No taste, but Wasteland Express Delivery Service. In fact, uh... Did you just mispronounce no thanks? <laughs> no taste? Okay, anyway, go, go on. Uh, <laughs> out of our game group, out of the, the four people that we mainly play with, you're the only one that doesn't like it, so you're outnumbered uh, three to one. You're, you're a perfect... This is America. You're allowed to have a wrong opinion. <laughs> I know, and yours is wrong. <laughs> if you listen to our podcast, just go try it, and then when you hate it, blame it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, or if you like it, good. That's you know. Yeah, each to each their own. We just give each other grief about game yeah. picks, but I enjoy this game. Uh, I really like the post-apocalyptic theme in most games, yeah. and you don't. You, there, there's quite a fit, uh, bit out there, like Hiroshima Hex. I think the theme comes out better in this. This is Mad Max board game for me. This is, feels like that Mad Max board game, except for your pick up and delivering, but you pick up and deliver for different factions. I like the legally uh, distinct from flavors that you get from the characters you control because you got yeah. Smokey and the Bandit, but it's not called Smokey and the Bandit. And so it's great. It's fun. I have a great time playing this. I just won't play it with him because he's going to whine and complain the entire time. Yeah, no, I've never played that <laughs> game again. That was awful. If I want to play a good post-apocalyptic game, I have so many others to choose from. Like Remnants from our friends at Fireside Games. Go check out Remnants. I don't think it's on my list, though. Um, sorry. <laughs> that's That was rude. The way I said that, but um, that's a much better game. Absolutely. This one, speaking of really heavily thematic games, this is not. This is about carpet selling. <coughs> Marrakesh? Marrakesh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no theme to it. It's moving a dude It's around. roll and move it's area and control. Move, yeah, it's roll and move area control. With really nice money. little carpet felt pieces. Yeah, we have really great components. And even like the wood tokens that are shiny, you know, like they're gold, yeah. gold silver coins. Like, it's really good components. The, okay, this game shouldn't be as fun as it is. It <laughs> and, and for any, uh, any of the viewers who watch this podcast or have listened to this podcast and has seen the, the anime 
uh, for this uh, after school dice club. Yeah, I think this was on the first or maybe second episode somewhere on there yeah. where they played this, and it was the most intense, intense episode. I loved watching anime characters <gasps> rolling dice, and it's so intense. You see like like sweat dripping down their face and like the flashing background, and you're like, it's you're just moving a pawn. <laughs> all yeah. you're doing. It's it's but it's basically the idea is that. You you have this guy who's walking around and he's buying and selling carpets and you roll the die, you move him uh one to four spaces. If he lands on an opponent's or if if you land on an opponent's uh area, which are any adjacent squares that make up the carpet, then you pay that player that number of coins equal to the number of spaces it is. So if I land on Daniel's color and it and there's four spaces, I pay you four coins, but then I get a place my carpet on any spot that's adjacent to the to the buyer, and that includes overlapping other players. players and yeah. in fact, not only includes it, highly encourages it. you to cover up other players and break apart their their They're majorities. Right. And then, because once everybody's laid out their carpet, then you count up your all of the spaces that you still see of yours. You got one coin for that, plus the coins you've collected throughout the game. Most money wins. Brilliant game, Marrakesh. It had to be my eighty-one and the last one of this episode. All right, let's go into my number 81. And this this one's intriguing to me because this is a classic game. But it's a you sequel a to the classic game. Well, a classic in the newer sense. Okay. Uh, we talk, I mentioned it uh, at the top of the thing where we are talking about like best-selling board games of all time. This is Ticket to Ride. Oh, uh, yes. Europe. Okay. Wow, this low. Yeah, I thought it would be higher too. I really do enjoy it. I have a great time. I like Europe more than I like the original one. I was going to ask is like, do you know which one is higher? Yeah, Europe. Okay. Um, wow. I I enjoy Ticket to Ride Europe a lot more than Ticket to Ride, just because okay. I love the um, train stations. I love that little aspect that they give them because you have three train stations at the the start of the game, and if you keep them at the start of the game or all the way to the end of the game, they give you points. I think it's like two points for each train station you have. Something like that. However, you can use the train station to help you finish a route, basically hijacking someone else's uh, line because they blocked you or you just can't get to a certain point because there's other ways around. So you just use your train station. You use that line to the next spot. And if you're on that spot and going down to wherever you're going, you can uh, collect it. But it's it's very simple. You draw cards, complete tickets, or uh, draw cards, play cards to play trains, or and complete tickets. It's it's very simple, highest points, uh, scores win. Phenomenal game. Again, I like the train station aspect of it. That's why I really like the Europe, even though it's much easier to read the American map because I know American geography a lot better than I know Europe geography. Yep. But uh, Ticket to Ride Europe is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, every time we play Ticket to Ride, we play that song. Every time. I have a whole playlist on Spotify of train songs. And I, I love that. Like, we have The Locomotion, Locomotive Breath, This Train Don't Stop There by Elton John, and uh, Drops of Jupiter. It's from Train. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Anyway, you get the joke. But that'll be it for this very first episode of our Top 100. This was an episode uh, going over our number 100 through 81. 81. And so this has been a fun episode. By all means, if you thought this was even the slightest bit, uh, definitely the Beatles version. By the Beatles. Way. Like a, yeah, hands down. Uh, Carpenters are good. Definitely Beatles. No, you don't like Carpenters? 
let's end this in this episode okay, before yes. we get into it. <laughs> so we're, we'll have a fist fight off camera. No, but we we really do enjoy these games, and so by all means, if you found this the slightest bit interesting, we want to see whose whose alignment you go with more. Then keep listening to the next episodes. So, yeah, go ahead. And... Uh, it's, it's your Twitch line. Oh, yes, my Twitch line. If you ever want to join in live, it's been a long day already. <laughs> and we got a few more of these. Uh, like our friend Creative Chaos or anybody else who joins us in on our chat, join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what, you, what we do here, there are three things that you can do to help us grow on the platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Now clearly we're not running out of ideas for episodes considering we're doing a top 100 which every podcast has ever (laughs) Ever done. done. Ever. But if you have ideas for future episodes, not that we need them... Send us an email at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can also get in contact with us on our official Twitter account, at EBG Podcast. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been Daniel. And I've been Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.